coach, broadcaster, and video game impresario, John Madden. I get every game from every angle uh, every week. Why do you want to do that? Just because uh, just you're crazy? <laughs> None other than Deion Sanders Prime. I have three to four suits with me, and I'm having a problem to choose between the cream, which is a cusser. What I mean by cusser, Rich, when you see me, you're going to use profanity. That's how clean this suit is. <laughs> My official movie reviewer, Jim Moore. She's a fox. If there's a fox in the movies right now, Myla Kunis is it. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, week number four, set to turn into week number five. We already have one podcast in the books this week. Wes Welker of the New England Patriots joined me on Patriots Cam. Jeff Schaefer, the executive producer of The League, the fantasy football-related show on FX. He's also the co-executive producer of Curb Your Enthusiasm. He joined me on that podcast. Give that one a listen and a download for all you Curb fans, you League fans. Uh, fantasy football fans. It was a great conversation, so download that. But we've got a, a great show in store for you right here. Michael Lombardi, the NFL Network insider. Uh, so much to talk with him about as we enter the second quarter of the NFL regular season in 2011. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles are uh, in the bottom half of the NFC East. Who'd have thought that as everybody thought that the Redskins and Giants would occupy that spot? What in the world is happening in Kansas City? with head coach Todd Haley screaming at uh, his quarterback, Matt Castle, and back at each other. Uh, The NFC South has the Saints on top. The AFC North has the Ravens on top, and the Steelers all banged up at 2-2 with both teams from Ohio. The Bills at 3-1 as the Jets fall to 2-2, getting smacked in the mouth in Baltimore. They're in New England this weekend for a big game, always big when they meet one another. Uh, And the Jets have a... uh, Potential two and three starting a three-game losing streak, staring them in the face. What happened to ground and pound? I know Rex Ryan said that they're going back to that this week, but what in the world was that from their offense over the first four weeks? All of that. We're going to hit every single division with Michael Lombardi in a matter of moments. Sugar Ray Leonard, the champ, uh, is uh, is on this podcast as well. We'll talk a little bit of football. His movie that he uh, helped arrange and choreograph the boxing scenes for Real Steel with Hugh Jackman is coming out this weekend. We'll chat with Sugar Ray Leonard. And and then a very special moment on this podcast. Uh, a legend. A sports casting genius who uh, sadly had a meltdown in the booth, as you saw in uh, perhaps the Funnier Dive video chronicling his life. Uh, Jim Brockmeyer. Uh, he's going he's gonna to attempt to come back. Again, if, you've, if you didn't see the Funnier Dive video that... Uh, that basically uh, showed his warts and all career altering moment in the booth when he found his wife cheating on him. Um, It it really is a heart-wrenching tale. Uh, But we're going to uplift. We're going to uplift as Jim uh, is going to appear on this podcast in person, in the flesh, to mount a career comeback. He's going to come here and do the plays of the month of September. He's going to narrate them here. And also, we're going to unearth some archival footage of uh, Brockmeyer calling some of the great moments in NFL history. Did you know he was on the radio call of the Immaculate Reception? We're gonna we're gonna play that for you later on on this podcast. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be emotional for me because I'm a big fan of Brockmeyer. We all are in this profession. If you're not, then you're in the wrong profession. And uh, Jim is going to come here in person, and I'm honored. And if it all goes well, because clearly you never know with him, he can have a meltdown at any moment. Um, if it all goes well, maybe he'll do it every month. And you'll be able to see Brockmeyer, not only in the television version of the podcast, but also uh, on NFL.com. You'll see and hear uh, Jim's narration of the plays of the month of September for 2011. It's a very special edition of this podcast. And let's start it right now. Joining me now on the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Bud Light, is none other than NFL Network analyst, insider himself, Michael Lombardi. Good to chat with you, Michael. 
It's good to be here, Rich. Welcome to my office here at NFL Films. I Isn't like it. Lovely? it. I like it. I, I love the, the Walsh photograph you got behind yeah. you there. I, I made sure we got that. We have one up on the wall, and uh, so we're, we feel at home. You should, certainly with Bill Walsh there. Um, since you're being you're right there in NFL Films, let's start with the Eagles. What, what's Philly like right now? Are they, are they flipping out over there in Philadelphia? Well, it's a good... It's a good thing the Phillies are still in the are in the World Series run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. tonight's going to be nervous because it's taking some of the heat off them. But I think there's really a, a sense of really amazement that that team hasn't been able to be as productive in the fourth quarter as everybody thought they would be. And I mean, the whole dream team thing, nobody bought into that. Philadelphia's a little too cynical for that. But I think the reality is, is there's some holes in this team that the fans see and everybody else in the league sees. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can plug them up. How does Andy Reid go about doing that? You know, Andy Reid typically never loses two in a row. Now he's lost three in a row. So I, I think he's got a challenge ahead of him. Look, Juan Castillo is offensive line coach, now is defensive coordinator. That's, that's a challenge in itself in the first year, just to know everything and to fix the problems. And really, here's the key issue. Can the players continue to buy into him if they start to lose some doubt? If they have doubt creep in because Juan Castillo isn't always been a defensive coach, that could create some problems. They got to fix this, and really, kind of as Barney Fife once said, they got to nip it in the bud quickly. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, as you said, as you wrote about on your NFL.com column on Monday, the issue with Castillo isn't that uh, that he knows his X's and O's. It's having the experience to make changes and adjustments on the fly in a game and. Would you say after watching the first four games and seeing the film that he, he, he just doesn't have that ability right now because of his lack of experience at the position? Can you make that statement? Yeah, I think clearly when you watch the tape, there is a lack of experience, there's lack of adjustments, and there's the lack of play calling, that one blitz that really takes the team out of their element. Look, the 49ers were just hanging around until the second half, and they got that game close on Sunday, and when they got it close, they were able to finish it out, and the Eagles couldn't. So I do think Juan Castile, you know, he's going to take some time before he really understands how to call games. It's not easy. If he was able to do this so quickly, he shouldn't be the Eagle defensive coordinator. He should be a head coach in the NFL. Mm -hmm. This is a challenge. Ask yourself this question, Rich. How many head coaches in the league could walk into work one day and all of a sudden change jobs instead of being the off head coach, become the coordinator on either side of the ball? I think that list would be few. Right. So because the, the, the narrative coming out of Philadelphia that I'm sensing is that they're, you know, obviously people are, are, are sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And that yeah. maybe that, that, that Andy Reid's voice after all this time doesn't resonate as much and that maybe it is time that this is his last stand right now, that the next 12 games are going to determine whether the Eagles truly do move in a different direction or a win for Andy Reid. Is his job on the line, do you think, for real? You know, I don't think it is, but I think some of the problems and the frustration the fans have are, have been consistent all through the years. The red zone play calling, the lack of willingness to have a power running back on the team, and then the red zone defense. I mean, Sean McDermott was fired last year as defensive coordinator, fired, left, however you want to place it, because the red zone was horrendous. And this year, the Philadelphia Eagles are the last place in red zone defense right now. So nothing's changed. And I think that's the problem. And then you go into the game management issue, which most Philadelphia fans, and I've said this to you before, I mean, Andy Reid should outsource this to India, his game management, because he really just doesn't do it well. And they've been over overlooked that if the fact that they could win the games or play better in the red area or short yardage. I mean, the last two weeks, short yardage has really hurt the Eagles, not converting fourth and one from the goal line, not converting fourth and one from midfield against the Giants. Those have been problems. Well, I mean, they've always been problems, right? But uh, yeah. but we've ne even even with the same old, same old, We've still never seen what we saw out of Ronnie Brown on the goal line. I mean, I have never – have you in your days no. – seriously. No. I mean, in anywhere – you got Walsh behind you right there. You, that's how far <laughs> back you go in this game, even further, Michael. Anywhere, have you ever seen a running back get stopped in the hole inside the two-yard line and decide, oh, instead of going down and living for another down, flipping the ball back and, and, and creating a, a live ball situation? Have you ever seen anything like that? No, and I think Coach Walsh would call Clark Shaughnessy to ask him if he'd ever seen that because I've never seen that. And it was really, I mean, that's really careless and reckless, frankly, with the ball down there. And, and you know, you don't have to have deception to always score. You know, the Eagles should power somebody in there and score. Every team in the league can run the ball. You have to at times inside the five, and the Eagles just don't have that power. 
So uh, I saw a Niner friend uh, of mine here saying, well, the Eagles gave that game away to us. Uh, and my response to him was, well, when I looked in the standings today, I saw three and one, two game lead yeah. in the NFC West. I didn't see anything about how the Eagles played in the standings. Uh, are the, and I know Parcells always says you are what you are in this league, but what are the 49ers, do you think? They're Rich, they're a team that won't beat themselves. They're not going to let Alex Smith play in the game unless it absolutely has to. They're going to manage the game perfectly. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, the team has adopted his personality, which is tough. They got a little Bo Schemblecker in them. They're going to run the football regardless of the down and distance, regardless of how far behind they are in the game. And they're going to keep this game close into the fourth quarter, and they're going to find out if you can make the plays to win the game or beat them. Essentially what the 49ers are doing is forcing other teams to beat them, and they're just going to stay in there and hang around like they did against the Bengals, like they did against the Eagles, like they did against the Cowboys but lost, and like they did against Seattle. This is a tough out. San Francisco is a team that's not going to beat themselves. They're not going to allow the team to beat themselves, and I think he's playing it really correctly. So where do, do, you, see the, do you see the Niners actually hosting a playoff game? You see you know, I, I don't see a team in the in the West. Uh, frankly, I'm very disappointed with the Rams. No skill players, no receivers that can get open. And oh, by the way, when they get open, they drop every pass mm-hmm. thrown to them. Unbelievable. Sam Bradford's not going to be able to hold up this year. And defensively, it's a work in progress. So Seattle, so San Francisco. I mean, the Rams are in trouble. And then Seattle, to me, you know, they're all about their home field. When they go on the road, it's not a close game. Quest Field gives them an advantage, but. I just don't see that. The 49ers have already beaten them at home. I think this is between Arizona and San Francisco, and Arizona has their own host of problems in terms of Kevin Cobb. You know, he's had the ball two times at the end of the game the last two weeks to win the game for his team, and he couldn't do it. And I think eventually he's going to have to do that. Mm, yeah, they're 1-3 in three right now. The Niners have the biggest lead right now of any division uh, leader in the NFL through four weeks. Let's keep uh, going down on the, I guess, who, who, are these teams what they are? Um, let's <laughs> let's let's now switch over to um, the three and one Titans. What do you think about them? Because uh, Matt looks great, Matthew looks fabulous, Chris Johnson, they uh, he appears to be finally in game full four quarters health. I mean, they they left him in that game in Cleveland, even though they were up quite a bit. They kept running the ball with him. I mean, he he darn near got thirty carries. He got his first one hundred yard game. He had to eke it out, but he finally got it. And the defense looks quite stout. I want yeah. to get your expert analysis on on the Titans. I've liked the Titans all summer. I think Matthew Hasselbeck has given them stability at quarterback and has given them a presence of leadership in the locker room, something they desperately needed last year. That locker room was really uh, was split. The team was in fashions. I mean, it wasn't very healthy there. I think Jeff stayed too long. I think Jeff would even admit it as why he stepped away. I think it became very difficult. It was a disjointed team. And now Matthew Hasselbeck brings them into continuity. He brings them consistency at quarterback, something they haven't had going back probably to Steve McNair. So they get that consistency in the passing game. They have a very good offensive line. They can run the football. They can throw it. I think Kenny Britt's injury affects them. And then defensively, they're fast and they'll make plays. I think Cortland Finnegan's probably playing much better than he did any time last year. And they can rush the passer and they can play. The only game they've lost is to Jacksonville. They didn't have Derek Morgan. They didn't have Jason Jones in the game. So that affected them. But I think this Tennessee Titans team is really good. I think they're in it for the long haul. If Matthew Hasselbeck stays healthy. Right, 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 because Jake Locker's back there, and I, no. I, I don't know if he's ready for prime time yet. And I, I like the Titans in Pittsburgh this week, uh, Mike. Uh, obviously, yeah. Roethlisberger's foot uh, is hurt. Um, uh, Harrison has a broken eye socket. He's out for the foreseeable future. That offensive line uh, is definitely the most banged up of all 32 offensive lines in the league. And And the Steelers, to me, they look like Super Bowl losers. And by that, I mean... Yeah. Uh, they got that, that that Super Bowl hangover from a loss that a lot of losers from the Super Bowl seem to have. Every year they lose, they're in the Super Bowl, and next year they 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 flat out miss the playoffs. It, it looks it doesn't look good for Pittsburgh moving forward here. Their 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 receivers also look young, other than Mike Wallace. It doesn't. It's it's yeah. all out of sync there. No, they, they've got problems, Rich, and I think you hit all of them right there. And, and I think when you break down this team, you know, in 2003, after the Raiders, we went to the Super Bowl in 2002. The next year, we won three games. It happens, and I think they can't rush the passer. In the preseason this year, Atlanta threw 42 passes in the first half, and really Matt Ryan stood up firm in the pocket and threw them. And if Pittsburgh can't get the quarterback on its back, it can't make plays. One turnover for the Pittsburgh Steelers going in the Houston game, that's unlike them. So, you know, I agree. I think their offensive 
offensive line's a mess. They can't run the ball. And those receivers are young, and they're explosive down the field. But if you don't have time to throw the ball down the field, it's a disaster. I think Tennessee's got the mental toughness to go into Pittsburgh and win. I agree with you. What do you make of the the Lions are for real, right? 4 yeah. they're for real? Yeah, I think the Lions are really for real. I think their defense, even though they gave up a lot of points the last two weeks, is tough to play. They're tough to handle, especially a team like Chicago. This Monday night, they go into Detroit with the crowd noise and, and the playing in that dome and those defensive linemen coming after Jay Cutler. That'll be a tough game. They're a, they're a team that you're going to have to play a different style to beat them. And anytime you play a team that forces you to play a different style, you better be very effective. And then Matt, St- Matt Stafford's been outstanding. Their running game, they do enough in the running game. And I, I think this is a very, very good football team. I think they're a draft away from being a Super Bowl team, but I think they're a playoff. Team. Interesting. You're, they're a draft away from potentially because I'll tell you what, man. Um, the Packers are are just yeah. they're on tilt right now, and I've never. I mean, Aaron Rodgers. Just when you think he can't get any better, <laughs> this this past week, I I, I said it on game day uh, highlights. I did say with all due respect to the Denver Broncos before I said it, but I was like, with all due respect to the Denver Broncos, Aaron Rodgers took off his championship belt put the Broncos over his knee and spanked them with it. <laughs> that is what he did this yeah, past. Have no you question. How, how was that performance to you? I mean, he's gotten better. I mean, let's face it, he was outstanding last year, and he's improved. That that says enough. And then they add Randall Cobb, a quick, explosive, fast receiver, to their already talented receiver group. That helps them. And, and then you go back, and they bring Jermichael, Jermichael Finley comes back. So mm-hmm. now they add two two components and their best player got better so offensively they are right they're right there and then defensively they're hard to run the football this is the number one team in the national football league in first down run defense you can't run it so now you got to go to nickel you try to throw it and that's when they feast on the opponent and that's becomes the problem i think this packer team has better remember last year they lose six games now all of them were close all of them came down to the wire but they lost six this year they won't lose half of that suss out the nfc south for me through four weeks michael you know, I'm not in love with Tampa. I think Josh Friedman is too inconsistent for me. I, I, I hear all the rhetoric about, oh, he's going to be a great player. He's going to be a great player. Their passing game is really pedestrian right now. They can't make any throws. I think Atlanta's defense is suspect. I think their offensive line is going to create some problems. They have to control the tempo of the game. If they don't, they're in trouble. I think it's New Orleans' division. I think New Orleans is a talented team. I think they're the best team there. And then the wild card's Carolina. I think Cam Newton's done things that I never hmm. expected a rookie to do. He's been sensational they put up more yards in soldier field in the history of soldier field rich that goes back a long way the carolina panthers so i i think it's new orleans is by far the best team i think atlanta's next and then i think that's tampa and then i think carolina tampa to me worries me they're young that they don't their passing game isn't really where it needs to be to beat the good teams in the league well uh they got san francisco this week Right. I mean, that's yeah. what a game that is. Three and one versus three and one Tampa against the, the, the 49ers. Who would have thought that would be three and one versus three? And, yeah. one. and this and this 49er team's physical. They're, they'll give Tampa all they can handle up front. And Josh Friedman will have to play good. Josh Friedman will have to have over a 95 quarterback rating if he's going to beat the 49ers. He's got to play good. They're not going to run the ball on San Francisco. They've got to throw it and to beat San Francisco and San Francisco. They're they're like the basketball team that wants to play the game in the 50s. They'll I'll play that slow ball with you and get it to the fourth quarter and see if you make a mistake. Can, and Cam, win it. can Cam pick off the uh, Saints, you think, this week? Oh, he'll give them a lot of trouble. One thing about the Saints, they, they'll give you a lot of yards and they'll give you some points. But I just when you see Carolina defensively, I, I just think I think the Saints have gotten better this year, Rich. I think the, Darren Sproles is better than Reggie Bush by a lot, and I think that gives mm. them a better screen player. And then Charles Brown, their new right tackle, is better than Zach Striff or John Stinchcomb, who they had last year. So I think the Saints team is better defensively. The Saints and the Patriots are very similar. They don't play great defense, but their offense is so good, you got to keep pace and it's hard to keep pace with those great offenses. I'm going to leave the Patriots aside for one second uh, as uh, uh, Philadelphia and the Giants are active this week. The rest of the NFC East is on a bye week. The first bye weeks have hit. Uh, It's going to be a very long bye week for the Dallas Cowboys after what just happened in week four against the Lions while the Redskins hit it at three and one. How for real are the Washington Redskins in your estimation? 
You know, all summer I thought the Redskins were the best of the East. I still think that. I think they've got a very good defense. I think they're fast, explosive. They've got team unity. The Albert Hainsworth cloud no longer hangs over their head. I think they're much better defensively and offensively. They can run the ball effectively. I think Ryan Terrain gives them the best back and the best chance to run the football effectively. Last two weeks, Anthony Armstrong, their wide receiver, hasn't been healthy, so that hurts them. Rex Grossman's the wild card, but he's got to control the football. I like this team a lot. I think they can run the ball on everybody, and I think they're going to make you have to beat them. And I think ultimately, like the 49ers, that's what they'll be successful at doing. The Giants the Giants are at home this week and uh, against Seattle, which is uh, – I've never seen a team uh, more different on the road than at home. It's such an incredible dichotomy. Yeah. Uh, they're a different team on the road. They're far more beatable uh, without that 12th man to support them. So you have to figure the Giants should go to 4-1 and one, uh, at, at home this week and, uh, and take over this division by a half game. While Philadelphia's in Buffalo, what do you make of the Bills at 3-1? and one? I mean, they, they obviously got hit in the mouth by the Cincinnati Bengals in a game that uh, they looked far more human than many yeah. people say it, it, they crashed back down to earth. Would that be a fair assessment or an unfair assessment of the yeah, Bills? I- I think the Bills, have been, they have a nice little package offensively that gives teams a lot of trouble. Defensively, they're no better than they were last year. Frankly, they may be even worse. You can move the ball effectively. Philadelphia will move the ball on them. It's going to come down to whether Philly can play good in the red area. It'll be a close game, but Philly should win that game up there because Philly is by far the more complete team. Buffalo is a nice team. It's a nice story, but their defense you know, isn't very good. It can't play toe-to-toe with most of the offenses in the league. I mean, it took Tom Brady's four interceptions for them. They had a storm back against the Raiders. Uh, so I, I think there's a little bit of trouble. Cincinnati dominated the line of scrimmage. This Cincinnati team is really a good defensive front. They're a lot like the 49ers, and they're very good on defense. They have some. They can run the football effectively on offense, and they just don't want their quarterback to make a mistake. And unfortunately, sometimes Dalton does, but last week he didn't. Yeah, Dalton looks like right now uh, behind Cam Newton, the best of the, of the rookie lock, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, absolutely, and they're giving him a chance to play, and they they kind of keep him from losing the game for him as best they can. I think Cincinnati will will knock some people off in the North, no question. Because they already have. They they can yeah they can do some things. They really can. Cleveland is really not as talented, and I've said this before as the as the Cincinnati Bengals as a team. Well, the Ravens, it's clearly their division to yeah. win or lose right now. I mean, obviously, again, the Browns and and. Um, and Cincinnati are both two and two, which is sort of a surprise. And the same thing with the Steelers; we've already hit uh, on them that they just they they look like a shell of the team that that was in the Super Bowl just wow, just uh, eight short months ago. It's really incredible how these things can just change so quickly. Yeah. But uh, the Ravens, what they did Sunday night, I mean, uh, that was remarkable. I mean, they they yeah. ran they ran. I know the Jets have problems on their offensive line without their anchor Nick Mangold there, but that was ridiculous on Monday yeah, they, uh, they, Sunday night. They do- they dominated the, the, this Raven team who goes, into, who goes into Tennessee and gets dominated, comes out and dominates the Rams, and Torrey Smith gives them big plays. And then last week they dominated the Jets. It wasn't really a fair fight. I mean, they beat up on the Jets fairly handily. And Mark Sanchez, they're going to go back to ground and pound because Mark Sanchez won't make it through the season. Mark Sanchez isn't Ben Roethlisberger. He's not Phillip Rivers. He's not one of these big quarterbacks. He's a little thinner and a little smaller boned. And the more hits he takes, the less likely he's going to keep getting off the ground. But why why wouldn't the Jets realize this? Did did they did they think that Sanchez was ready for the next step? That it was time uh, that he was that he had taken his huggies off, and it's time. <laughs> and again, and it's unfair to say this, uh, obviously, because they did make the AFC Championship the last two right. years, and it wasn't in spite of Mark Sanchez. It was because of how well Sanchez played at the beginning and the end of the season, and in the playoffs. He, he usually has that dip. In the middle of the season, he is now having it at the very outset of the season. Two straight losses. They go to New England this week. Did the Jets just think that they can start winning games with his arm instead of the ground and pound philosophy? Or is the defense just not as good as we think it is and they just feel that they have to win game going point for point right now? Well, I think it's a little bit like Tiger Woods gets off the tee. You want to drive as far as Tiger when he used to. And I think they look up at New England and see what Tom Brady does, and they want to have something similar to them. And they kind of got out of their comfort zone. They kind of forgot who they were. And part of the problem is they're the worst team in the National Football League on gaining four yards on first down. They're not very good at doing that. And they're one of the one of the Bill Parcells' biggest uh, statistics that he looks at. You add rushes and completions together, and you come up with a number. The Jets are 28th in the league when you 
do that. Their execution has not been very good. And I think the other key point, staying on the Parcells theme here, is 13, whatever your record is the next year, when you get a year older, unless you make significant improvements, your team's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And I think the Jets are a little long in the tooth at, at the, in the defense, and their secondary is outstanding, but there's some guys in that front seven that are really in trouble. 14, Rich, of the 25 players they have on their defense are free agents just off the street. So there's not a lot of depth on that team. So uh, what happens in New England this weekend? Well, I think it's very clear. If the Patriots don't turn the ball over, they win the game. And that's been the story and the theme of the five games that they've played since Rex Ryan's been there. It's been about who controls the football. The Patriots have run the ball on them effectively. The Patriots have moved the ball through the air effectively. But they've turned the ball over, which has given the Jets the short field, the vertical field position that they desperately need. I think right now the two teams, the Patriots, are playing as not as good on defense as the Jets, but their offense is much better. It'll be a dogfight. It'll be a close game, and it'll come down to how well Tom Brady plays and do they protect the football. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in the West, uh, the San Diego Chargers have finally successfully negotiated the first quarter of a season (laughs) as opposed to the last several years. Uh, but Gate, what, what do you know about Gates? What, what, what's yeah. going on with his foot, Michael? I, I, if you have Antonio Gates in fantasy, I would drop him. I don't know how effective he's going to be. When you watched him against the New England Patriots, he, even though he was healthy, quote-unquote, he ran like his feet hurt him. It looked like he was running on hot sand on the field. It's just not good. It's going to take some time to get him back, and they'd really need him back. And the guy I think they miss more than anybody, and we were just Matthew here, the guy who helps in my office, we're talking about Darren Sproles. I mean, Darren Sproles was a great screen player for him. They don't have that loose playability. Mm-hmm. I think the Raiders – Give the Chargers, they beat them twice last year, will give the Chargers a lot of problems because the Raiders can run the ball, they can control the ball, and they can rush Phillip Rivers, something you have to do. So uh, that's, the two, it's, that's a two-team yeah. race? It's a, yeah, I mean, Denver's a long, long way away. We're going to see the Tim Tebow era probably you think? before Halloween. You yeah, really do? Before Halloween. Yeah, but but is it really per- Orton's fault, though? Is it really Orton's fault? Yeah, well, he, you know, I call Orton a 2020 quarterback. He can move the team from the 20 to the next 20, and then we can't score any points. But I, I, I think we reality sets you got to look at what you have in Tim Tebow and it would be perfect right before Halloween everybody in the Denver area can dress up as Tim Tebow go out (laughs) trick-or-treating I think it's perfect (laughs) but I mean we saw him in in the preseason I mean you and I were 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 on the set doing our our around the league thing uh he he was he was I mean and and I and I say this fully knowing how the Tebow lovers have a big problem he looked terrible yeah. I mean, that, that's the only way to put it. I mean, he, he just he didn't look like he was ready. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of last year, he sure looked like a winner, like he's right. got it in him. So yeah, and, and he'll give the team some toughness. I think, look, the season in Denver, they're not going to win it. They're not going to the playoffs. I hate to bring the news to the Denver fans. They should find out where they are once and for all with Tebow. Do they need to go forward or do they need to go with Tim Tebow? I think the time is now. You're really kidding yourself. It's a little bit like Vince Young when Jeff Fisher wouldn't play Vince Young all those that time, and then eventually they played him, and eventually they find out who Vince Young was as a football player. And I think that's what you have to do here with Tim Tebow. Hmm. And what's going on with the Chiefs? What was that all about? Haley and Castle yelling at each other on the sideline. I mean, well, it- you, you know, it's 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 been Todd Haley's history. He he doesn't really coach. He criticizes, and it becomes very difficult. Players will listen to you if you can make them better. But I think when you yell and scream like what we would do to our kids, if we just yell at our kids all the time, at some point they're going to tune you out. And I think he doesn't ever have a change. I mean, we see Parcells scream at players, then we see him hug. We've seen Lombardi do the same thing. I think all great coaches have a different element that they can get into in a different mode. But Todd Haley's just a raving maniac, and he wants his team to play with poise and composure, but he's not poised or composed. So it's really a, a, a tough the situation and Matt Castle if you know Matt Castle he's one of the nicest kids you're ever going to meet and with for him to bristle like that you know it must have been tough huh because everything I'm I've heard and I'm hearing is that uh Charlie Weiss had no interest in coaching Matt Castle and and you know everyone thinks that Weiss the reason why he had such a great year last year is because of Charlie Weiss and that when Weiss announced that he was going to Florida and just since left that Castle's not the same guy but it was Haley who was really the guy but I, I don't know if that's true or not that's that's what I you know I hear so yeah. that's where this this sort of is is odd that if yeah. if the two of them worked so well last year, where did this come from? Is it an zero and three start essentially? It- 
You know, I, I think it's very difficult to be grown up in the Patriots system as Matt Castle has, and then Todd Haley, who's in another system, and try to blend it. And I'm sure Todd Haley has just said, you know, I've heard enough about New England. I want to do my own program. And I think there's obviously that conflict that goes on all the time within that organization, and it's not a smooth transition. Even last year, when they were winning, we could report any every week on around the league that it wasn't a very happy atmosphere in, in Kansas City last year because of those situations. But I think this year the team's not as talented. Obviously with the injuries, they still never fixed the right tackle. They needed speed at receiver. They draft Jonathan Ball when he gets hurt, punches Thomas Jones or whatever happens there. You know, and so they have some issues that they have to solve. You know, losing Jamal Charles obviously kills them. But they have other issues before they lost all their players. Lastly for you, Michael, I'm going macro. Did you see the end of the Monday night football game? Did you see the end of that game? No, I didn't. I, okay. I, I, I got I to admit, it put me to sleep. Okay. Well, uh, the, the stat that uh, ESPN put up at the end of the game uh, blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. It was the, the, the highest weekly total of total yards combined per game, the average. The highest four from the first four weeks of the season of all time. Michael. Wow. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's it's off the charts what we are seeing. And again, uh, I, I want to see, I mean, Marshall Falk on, on game day morning uh, said it looks like arena football to him. And he, of course, turned to Kurt Warner and said, no offense, you know, but uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 nuts, man. And I, I just want to know, yeah. is this the league that we've seen moving forward or is this still residue of the lockout? And also of the new rules that you can't put people in pads during the week and you can't really coach defense the way that defense has been coached and everybody's still trying to catch up with the new way of doing things. What can you tell yeah, me I, here? I mean, look, look, Jack Tatum couldn't play today. I mean, the physical Ronnie Lott, one of the best football players ever watched, couldn't really play his style. I mean, you could now go over the middle without fear of really getting hit. The receivers will go in there, even guys that don't want to go in there. So I think that's a factor. You know, when we were growing up and we'd go play touch football, if a guy was covered, we'd never throw the ball to him. But in the NFL today, if you're covered, you're open. And guys like Calvin Johnson have three guys around him, and he still makes the play. So the combination of the quality of quarterback, the, the, the coaching of the offensive teams, and the ability to throw the ball to covered receivers – and not being able to be physical with the receivers, no chucking down the field, hard to reroute receivers, all adds up to what we're seeing. I mean, you could put everybody back in pads. That's not going to matter about the passing game. Quarterbacks are going to throw the football. Buffalo, for example, Rich, their offensive line, if it had to play a normal style of game, couldn't really block very many teams. But because of the way they play, they get away with it. The ball comes out very quickly. So I think this is what we're going to see. And I don't think you can play – great defense anymore. I think you have to be like Green Bay or like Pittsburgh. You've got to complement your offense. You've got to be able to build the lead, rush the passer, and get off the field. But just staying toe-to-toe with teams, I think it's going to be really difficult. Is that a good thing? I think it's fun to watch. I think it's going to be designed. And I think like anything, you know, football's a lot like chess. Once something happens, it triggers something else, and we'll see a change every three years on how people approach defense. And I think we'll start to see – the defense now has got the onus upon them to see what they're going to do to shift and if they can change the balance in their favor a little bit. You, let's say you have the ear of someone in the league at some point, which you do. Would you suggest they make a rule change to try and balance things out? Well, I'd like to see them go back to a little bit more physical contact on the receivers. I think, you know, it's, it's so inconsistently refereed. I don't see how we think it's a good thing. But I think receivers should get jammed a little bit. I think that, that element needs to come out of it. And I think you should be able to be a little bit more physical. I understand the player safety down the field. I get it. I really do. But I think it's taken the physical intimidation element away from defenses and safeties. Now, I think where we're headed, Rich, I think teams are going to end up playing four corners. I don't. I think safety position is going to become extinct fairly soon because well, it looks like I saw some safety play this week. It looks like it already has become extinct, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Michael. You, you know, if if you run, a, if you're playing zone and and Calvin Johnson runs through your zone, you've got a man to man. So I, I think eventually you're going to see teams line up with four four corners back there and hope you can cover. Wow. 
You know, I mean, so what would the rule change be that you 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 can put put your hands on him within seven yards of the line of yeah, scrimmage? I, I think you got to have a little bit more than five. I think you got to be physical, and I and I think you got to give a little little defense to have a chance right. to, to make a play. I, I don't think this is always the case. I, I, there was a play in the Patriot game that I thought they refereed that J- Jacoby Ford was going down the slot and he gets feet tangled. They called pass interference, and then they talked about it and they realized, no, wait a minute, their feet got tangled. I think we need more of that. I think it's not always pass interference when we see it. I don't right. want to make it reviewable, Rich, but I also don't want to make it automatic that if I just touch you, it's pass interference. The, you know, sometimes like Tuxco Burris, he pushes off more people than push on him. Right. Well, the the, the defenseless receiver um, uh, rule, or I guess uh, what do you? I, I guess it is a rule change. It's not. It's not what they would call, I guess, a, 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 an emphasis or what have you. Um, I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it at all. It, it just it's it, it should just be as simple as this. If you lead with your helmet, it's a flag. If you don't and you hit him in the right spot in the right way, it doesn't matter whether you give the guy a chance yeah. to catch it or not. I mean, it, it takes the instinct out of the game. And, and, and in, a, in a way, uh, it's, it's wrong that the Ronnie Lots of the world wouldn't be able to play in this game today. For you to say something like that with that man behind you in that photograph – you know, uh, knowing that that's your background. For you to say something like that, there's something wrong, man. There's something wrong. Look, when Michael. you played the 49ers back in the day, Rich, do you think anybody wanted to go over and see Mr. Lott? I don't think so. You know, that was one of the – he's one of the best football players I've ever watched play besides the Joe Montana. And now today, all those hits that he'd have going in there – would just be able he wouldn't be able to get away with it. He would get called for penalties and it would become it would be it would reduce how he played the game. Michael, thanks very much. Really appreciate your thoughts. We'll catch up with you down the road. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. You bet that's Michael Lombardi joining us from NFL Films on the Rich Eisen podcast, brought to you by Bud Light. Could not be more pleased to have boxing royalty here on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Bud Light, one of the greatest champs of all time. Joining us from league headquarters in New York City, none other than Sugar Ray Leonard. How are you, Sugar Ray? I'm doing fine, Rich. How are you doing? Buddy? I'm doing fine. There you are in the home of the National Football League right there in the, in the house. My, my son, <laughs> yeah. my son, my 10-year-old boy, Daniel, will love it here. I mean, he will love it here. <laughs> well, he'll love it here at NFL Network, too. You can come down on it any time you want, bring your son. Uh, what, what's, your fa- what's your favorite team to follow, Sugar Ray? Well, you know, I'm not much of a baseball, I mean, football guy, but I love Redskins. I'm a Redskins guy. I took my son to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. He had a time of his life. The Super Bowl this, this past year, you're talking about? Yes. No yes. kidding. They're in Dallas. Da- what did you think of that uh, facility in Dallas? Unbelievable. <laughs> it was so, I mean, unbelievable. Um, I can go there every year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it, it was it's something to, to behold. And, you know, Pacquiao uh, fought in that building. I imagine that would be an incredible place that uh, back in the day you would have loved to have uh, fought somebody in that building. I would have loved to have punched there <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> I bet so. Sure. I bet so. <laughs> so uh, a Redskin fan. So back in the day you were you were following the Redskins uh, uh, with the Joe Gibbs championship years and things of that nature, I imagine. Well, when they won the Super Bowl with Doug Williams, mm-hmm. I was there. You were there. What was that like that night? Magic. It was, um, you know, it's like a big fight. You know, you're there and all the electricity, the anticipation, the fans, the food, the people. <laughs> yeah. It's great. The food. Yeah, that's I'm like my, a kid. I'm like a kid. I know. Yeah, I, it's one of those things too. And you're at a sporting event. I don't know if you're because you're a world class athlete. Uh, it's just every time I'm at a sporting event, it just makes me hungry. You know what I mean? Like my leg, <laughs> my leg gets hollow. I start eating. I start eating absurd amounts of food. And even though I know by the third quarter I'm stuffed, I just it's it's right there. Are you the same but, way? But it's ex, it's ex, it's excusable. It's okay. Okay. You can do that. Yeah, it's, it's for the game. Right, but, but there is not really much cardiovascular activity to help burn it off at, at, a, at a football game. None. <laughs> None at all. So you're, you're a part of a promotional tour of the, the new movie that's coming out, Real Steel. Uh, you, uh, behind the scenes, worked with Hugh Jackman uh, on his boxing scenes that are in this film. Uh, what, what, what was this role about for you in this movie, Sugar Ray? I worked as uh, a boxing consultant for mm-hmm. Real Steel. 
I work with Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. uh, are the proper executions of his punches, um, the right facial expressions of delivering a punch, landing a punch, um, how he should react to his fighter, which is a robot, mm-hmm. that, that one-on-one relationship that a trainer has with his fighter is so special, so intimate. And because Hugh was such a student and such an incredible actor and athlete, he pulled it off. It really looks great. So uh, where would you rank him in terms of a fighter? Uh, he's, like, he's like the number 10 contender. Number, number 10. He's got nine <laughs> above him. In, in, Austra- oh, yeah. in the world or Australia? I think in the world. In the world. Okay. You give him that. You give him that. Uh, how, how often you, have you done this sort of work, Sugar Ray? First time. First time on the job training. I also choreographed the robots and gave each one their own particular boxing style. Mm-hmm. If uh, one robot is dependent upon this design and what have you, mm-hmm. big guy, like they're all are big, but the bigger guy, I gave him kind of a George Foreman style, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And the small robot, I thought about myself, so I gave him a little bit of my signature punches. Oh, and that, that would be what? The bolo punch. The bolo punch, okay. Yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it's so great because... You know, my kids saw the premiere and uh, were at the premiere. They loved it. And at some point, I turned around. I saw my mother-in-law, my wife crying. So it's a family movie. No kidding. Big time. No kidding. It really, really is. Because you think about boxing or robots, you say, oh, it's for the teenagers or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's for everyone. Right, right, right. And uh, when you uh, were uh, fighting with Hugh Jackman and uh, you were giving him his uh, his his tips did, did at any point, did he say no Moss? Did he, did he have enough? <laughs> you know, he never said no Moss. Mm-hmm. I think at one point he thought about no Moss. I've always but wanted, he never, I, he never uttered that. I've always wanted to ask you, was, was that a surprise to you when Roberto Duran said that to you in the middle, or you were beginning to sense it in the middle of the fight that this guy's mm-hmm. going to quit on you? No one could fathom Roberto Duran of all fighters saying no Moss, which I didn't know at the time what it meant, mm-hmm. but I mean, no more. But it was so bizarre that uh, it uh, it haunted him for a long time. Yeah, and uh, you fought in the Superdome, uh, home of the New Orleans Saints. Back in the, I was where the No Moss game, the fight took place. Right. Uh, back in the day when you were fighting Duran and and uh, and Hagler and Hearns, and uh, I, I'm sure there were a lot of football players that were at your fights. Correct. I mean, who did you come across oh, yes. in your in your day uh, while you were a boxer from the NFL world that was uh, watching I you mean, and following you? I mean, there was a lot of guys who came out from, you know, Joe Thosman, Dexter Manley. I mean, Walter Payton. I mean, the list goes on because uh, there were really great fights uh, in my era. Mm-hmm. And Walter Payton, he was he was at some of your fights. Sweetness. Yes. He, yes. He, I mean, he was a big boxing fan and. Uh, Man, there was a lot of NFL players that loved the sport of boxing. Yeah, I know. What was Sweetness like? What was your react? What was your interactivity with with Walter about? Well, Walter was just a great guy, you know. Um, and I was really saddened when he passed, but he was such a great uh, athlete, uh, just an incredible player, um, a thing of beauty to watch. Mm-hmm. So, you and your son watch Redskins games together, or you just leave that to your son watching and you go about your business? Uh, how? how? No, I, I'll take him. I'll take him to some games. I mean, it depends. If he wants to go to a game, right. I make a phone call. There you we'll go. be there. That's right. You're Sugar Ray Leonard. Out <laughs> it helps, though. I know, but you live out in Los Angeles. We don't have a team out here. We got to. We got to get you. You got to get you and your son a team out here. I'll call someone. There you go. You call someone. <laughs> All right, Sugar Ray. Thanks for the time, man. Uh, Real Steel comes out this weekend. Everybody should see it for uh, Hugh Jackman's uh, bolo punching and uh, Sugar Ray Leonard oh. behind the scenes. We've got a special treat now here on the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. Uh, I am honored to have sports broadcasting royalty in the booth, uh, a legend in the booth, one of the all-time greats here uh, on my show. It's an honor to have you here, sir. Jim Brockmeyer. Good to see you, Jim. Thank you, Rich Eisen. Always a pleasure to see you. And it, I got to tell you, it feels very good to be uh, back in the booth. A pair of cans wrapped around my ears. Feels like home. Feels like uh, Mama's boysenberry pie on a sunny Sunday afternoon around 4.45 p.m. Well, it's an honor, like I said, uh, to have you here as, um, you know, your legendary career 
sadly coming to uh, a screeching halt uh, a few years ago. And the funnier Die video about your life helped really put you back on the map. And uh, I just have to ask you the question right off the bat uh, about your ex-wife, which is what really sent you yeah. uh, into a tizzy on the air a few years ago. Is everything all right with you? Are you doing fine right now? Well, it's kind, kind of you to inquire, uh, Rich sure, Eisen. Uh, my yeah. ex-wife, Lucy, of course, I had some great difficulty that was chronicled on uh, Funny or Die. My thanks to the, those people for uh, bringing my story to light. But those dark days are uh, are in my past, uh, Rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, with the help of some court-ordered therapy, yeah. I can now publicly uh, sit here and say uh, I am very sorry to my ex-wife. I apologize, Lucy, for... All the names that I called you publicly, only only about ninety five percent of those were were accurate, were true. <laughs> and uh, but I really I went off the rails here. I did. Uh, I don't know where I got some of that stuff. I called her a Bourbon Street strumpet, which is just ridiculous because she's never even been in New Orleans. <laughs> and uh, she can she can do whatever she chooses to do. She's free to to uh, sleep with whoever she likes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have to respect that legally. I have to respect it, or I'll be in a lot of trouble. So so you have in in a way come to grips with with what happened come to okay. grips yes it's a rather unfortunate choice of words but uh, sure i've, <laughs> but I've that, accepted it i've accepted okay, it I, i'm not allowed to grip that's part of the court order thing that's okay so yeah. we've 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 gone over that then uh with people who are professionals yes i'm i'm all good i'm all, i'm back i want to say everybody i'm back good. i am better than ever i am functioning and uh i have control of myself and mm-hmm. i'm happy and uh, ready to uh Ready to broadcast again. Well, and and like I said, uh, the fact that you've chosen my podcast to come on and use as a a launching off point or a relaunching off point of your legendary career is something that I, I, you know, I I can only dream of. Certainly, as you and I have known each other for a long time. You remember? I don't know if you recall when we when we first met. Oh, I do. Ago. I remember clearly. It was Redding, California, wasn't it? That's right. That's, that's where, where you got, got your start. start? Yeah, that's where I got my Redding, yeah. California. I right. remember you were a cub reporter. And uh, I recall it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I remember being very discouraging. I think I told you to give it up, didn't I? I think I said the the last thing the yes. world needs is another uh, obnoxious, sarcastic white sportscaster. <laughs> but, uh, you did not listen to me. Uh, no, you didn't know. And, and a good thing you didn't, because look at you. Look at look at the, what you got going here. You got this weird little room, and you got your own radio show, which is not really even on the radio. But tremendous, <laughs> tremendous success for you. Well, thank you, Jim. I I appreciate your heartfelt uh, very proud kudos of you. there. Really, yeah. it, it it's it's something that um, you know they can never take away from me here. And uh, no, they can't take. Actually, well, they could rather easily remove this thing. <laughs> it's the shower curtain. Pretty flimsy. It is. It is. In fact, most of this they could probably rip right out of your hand. <laughs> It would take it. It takes just a couple minutes to strike. Yeah, not, right. Well, they can't take it out from here. You got it in here, which right, is actually heart. that's me too. That's what kept me going. Is what I had inside here when mm. I lost everything. Mm-hmm. It kept you going. Oh yeah. And now here you are, um, getting back on the the horse figuratively. Yes. Thank again, you. court order. Take it easy. <laughs> okay. And um, a lot of people might be wondering why you are on a, a football related. Uh, broadcast because you are so closely associated with baseball. True. I am uh, baseball and I inseparable. Mm-hmm. Baseball is a part of me. I'm a part of baseball. I like to think, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, back in the day, we all, we all had to do football. We all did football as well. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Vin Scully, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Buck. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to count myself in that uh, category. We all did football games mm-hmm. and uh, we had to know everything back then. We, we cut no corners. And uh, in fact, I, I, I work with the great John Madden. Did I'm you really? Yeah, I did. I was his first uh, play-by-play guy before Pat Summerall. Worked with him, I believe it was 1981. And I learned a tremendous amount from John Madden. What a wonderful man and human being he is. What'd you learn? Uh, oh, so many things. I think what stands out most in my mind was a halftime. He ate an entire chicken in about 12 minutes one time. <laughs> but the way he did it, Rich Eisen, he, he, uh, yeah. it's, uh, he stuck his hand right in the chicken in a flaming hot chicken like a... <laughs> Like a kind of a meat puppet, kind of held it right there and just kind of gnawed into it. We couldn't stop him. And right on down to his own hand, like he was chewing on his own knuckle. In fact, we, we had to pull him off it, and it was all bloody. And actually, it's kind of a traumatic memory more than anything else. Right. But you're, but that's just you being you, Jim, is you're the, you're the true professional. You're the, true, you're the pro's pro. 
and that's how we always know you is the pro is pro and you know you never well, it's very distracting while that's hey i still had to call the game while he was still kind of finishing up the chicken and well, i never mentioned it never said anything well so oh so that you're this is the first time you're telling the story somewhere this is i believe this is breaking here first okay yeah. well, well this is the new era we're in right tell all podcasts and schmodcasts and <laughs> yeah. youtube and uh, wootube and hulu and moogu guy pan and it all uh, you know <laughs> You'll have to keep up with it and let it all hang out there. Well, you're you are you're as current as ever, and um, you are going to do the plays of the month of September. I'm honored for for NFL.com. Yeah, uh, dot com. And, That's one of those newfangled things. And again, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And, but uh, for, again, for those um, who need a refresher on this man and his uh, lush relationship with the game of football, I was there for some of the great moments. Wh- like which, which games were you? I was there in the Ice Bowl. You were there in the Ice Bowl. That's yes. right. You did the play-by-play of the yes. Ice Bowl. Yes, very early in my career. I was there when uh, Alan Amici uh, went in for the Colts. Greatest game ever played. Arguably. Arguably. Right. And uh, I was there for the uh, Immaculate Reception. No kidding. Yeah, I made the radio I call. that you Made did. the radio the call. radio call. Yeah. All right. Well, let's relive those moments. Jim Brockmeyer at the mic of some of the more um, seminal moments in the history of the National Football League. Easy there with seminal. Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> Unitas hands it to Amici, who dives in for the score. He is in. Oh, man, the Giants have got some splatting to do, Lucy, because here at the end, they have fallen apart more times than the bridge over the River Kwai. I want to tell you what, they are done. Third and goal now for the Packers, and I know I've been saying it for four quarters now, folks, but sweet, sassy, molassy, it is cold out here. Makes me want to commit some kind of unimaginable sins just so I could feel the warm embrace of hell, folks. And Star sneaks it in behind Kramer for six. Oh, man, right now the Cowboy fans are going to be bluer than my picky toe. Got to get that looked at. That, that does stink. Time is winding down. Let's see if the Steelers run that special deflection play to Franco Harris they've been working on in practice all week. Bradshaw drops back. He throws. The ball bounces, and it works to perfection. Oh, and Harris, Bubba, Bubba, Benny, and the Jets himself down the sideline for the score. Oh, man, did that ever work to a T. Wow, Jim. I mean, it's, I had no idea. You saw the Immaculate Reception play in practice earlier uh, yeah, in Yeah, I saw them. They That was quite a story. Uh, Chuck Knoll was, I was dear friends with Chuck Knoll at the time. We mm-hmm. used to uh, tip back a few cold ones together every once in a while. And by every once in a while, I mean about every 20 minutes. <laughs> and... Uh, I saw practice that week. They were trying to work that out. They they had uh, they had Bradshaw throwing throwing that ball mm-hmm. at everything, like at benches, at seats, at uh, passing uh, dogs that were passing at the ground on the air, you know, at the at the cooler, at the at lockers. Let's see how the bounce would go. Right at helmets, at pads, and uh, they they had uh, planned for almost every possible trajectory contingency, and it paid off for them. Did it, it? Almost didn't. I mean, Franco almost didn't grab that ball. That, Part of the excitement yeah. of the play yeah. is uh, you never know what's going to happen. And you they, they had it. worked. It was actually, that play's actually, when you'd seen it in practice all week, that was actually a little boring. <laughs> Compared to well, what they had, Yeah, they had some much more spectacular plays in practice that week where things kind of double, triple hit other things and came back. So it just wasn't just one carom in practice. That was... No, one carom was, was just was humdrum right. by the time, uh, you know, the game. Wow. And you were on the call, Jim. I mean, just the way you nailed that call. I'm just, I was fortunate uh, enough to bring it up at the right time. Yeah. I'd love to get your thoughts on some current issues in the National Football League today, Jim. be uh, my pleasure. So, terrific. Um, obviously, the Dallas Cowboys are in the news. Sure. Uh, Tony Romo uh, and the performance in the fourth quarter. Uh, everyone calling that a meltdown that the Cowboys had against the Lions. Yeah, I know everybody's weighing in on this this week. I got to say, that that was not a meltdown. Okay, the man threw a few pick sixes. That's not a meltdown. You know, I once uh, I locked myself in a hotel room uh, in Barstow one weekend with an elderly floozy and a three-legged dog. Okay, and the dog was the only one that did not have fleas. That That's a meltdown. What Tony Romo's doing right now, that's just a very talented man uh, mm-hmm. facing some challenges, some roadblocks. So you're saying there's we have to have some perspective. On, no, 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 I'm not road. saying that. I'm just saying it's not a meltdown. Don't okay. put words in my mouth. Right? No, I don't, no, I don't mean it, Jim. I uh, especially never. not big words that I don't quite understand. <laughs> what do you make of the whole Philadelphia Eagles start at one and three? They were, you know, the dream team discussion about how the Eagles were supposed to be much better than one and three. Everyone's wondering what the what the Eagles' are, uh, problem is. I'm wondering what you think. It's disappointing, but you know, every time I hear a dream team, I just think of that Michael Keaton movie. You know, we had the bunch of crazies running around with them. You yeah, know, they escaped them. They did something wacky, and Chris Lloyd was with them. Chris Lloyd's a dear friend too. We used to hang around the set of Taxi, 
and uh, we'd knock back uh, <laughs> not just cold ones. We knock back uh, other things. Uh, there's nothing we didn't knock back. We knocked back people. <laughs> we got in several fights. Uh, you uh, and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, we did. We 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 were rab scallions. We were rabble rousers. That, that's not the dream team, though. That they're referring to. No, I know. I'm just saying that, you know, in my day, Dream Team meant something okay, different. I, I hear you. And on the set of Dream Team, we also, there was <laughs> one time Chris Lloyd, he decided to paint himself green uh, for reasons I still don't understand. <laughs> and he said it was because he was a Star Trek fan. I said, well, Spock's blood is green, but I don't think he's green. He's got kind of a pallor, but he's not full on green. Right. Uh, but he insisted upon it, and uh, we uh, spent uh, about three weeks. He spent about three weeks that way, right. and I accompanied him. And uh, by the end of that, he uh, he was sued by nearly uh, every uh, Howard Johnson's franchise in the country. We went on a road trip, and he walked in there. He was not dressed, and uh, yeah. he went a little crazy. Yeah, and this is what. Leaps to mind when the Philadelphia Eagles are well. The green, you, I guess, the green ties it the together. The green and the dream. It kind of a, was a Eagles right. green that he had. Interesting himself. take Damn. on the Eagles. That is well. No, I know that's not much of a take on the Eagles. No, no, no. I'm it is. It is a colorful it's story. Definitely Rich a take on the Eagles. What do you think of the 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 Jets' performance against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, Jim? It, it, that was a shocking uh, loss was. by I the, think by this, the uh, Jets. This Sanchez. They call them Sanchez, don't they? I think I think you have to be very careful of these nicknames that you these uh, these uh, monikers that mm-hmm. you label people that because uh, it gives a lot of pressure to live up to that. And I think let's let's face it, uh, Sanchez is not a Sanchez. He's more of a a, a sanitizer, a mm-hmm. sanitizer. I think more of something that would maybe clean your toilet bowl. Than, uh, than perhaps rescue your city from mm. its uh, football doldrums. <laughs> from its football doldrums. Yeah. And uh, the the uh, Detroit Lions are 4-0, Jim, for yes, the first are. time since I think you Quite probably call, I think you probably called the uh, the Lions uh, well, game. Was it 1980? 1980, yeah. I think that's the last time they went 4-0, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. That was the last time. Yeah. That's, back, that's uh, of course, after the Alex Karras days. Yes, it is. Well, yeah. you that's, that's... Another dear friend. Alex Karras? Oh, yeah. Were you on the set of Webster ever? I was. Uh, Alex was, he was not a, a happy man on that set. Um, <laughs> he was not? No, no. Uh, I don't think he liked that kid at all. Oh. And uh, Emmanuel he, you know, Lewis. And, you know, and he, Karras, you know, as you know from his playing days, he used to throw things when he got angry. Yeah. And he a couple of times threw that kid. <laughs> and that he got in a lot of trouble for that. Did they, uh, were authorities called? At yeah, some they point? were. They were they're not only called, they were present. They, they, they. <laughs> That you couldn't shoot an episode of Webster without, uh, like, almost uh, like a SWAT team standing by. <laughs> it was a, it was they're heady times. The heady times. times. But the Lions, congratulations to them. Very uh, happy for their, for their four and zero start. I think they're for real. You want to say for, yes? I think they act. Well, I just all I mean by that is I think they actually exist. As as a team, or or I don't think they're any kind of hologram or some kind of way. I think oh, they're for real. They literally, they, are yes, for you can real. see them and touch them and feel them. They are real people doing real things. Four and zero. Four and zero. That's impressive. Yeah. And the Packers, do you think do you think that they're they're back uh on the Super Bowl path? Do you think who, who do you think's going to win the Super Bowl this year, Jim Brockmeyer? Very have? hard to ignore the uh Packers, very hard to ignore uh the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. They got to, you know, it's a little boring at this point, but they are both the uh the favorites. Mm-hmm. The AFC's a little more up for grabs, I think. But yeah, I love Aaron Rodgers. I love his swagger. Um I love uh I love everything about the man. Um you know, kind of as Madden was to Favre, I am to Rogers. Uh, almost, uh, you know, have uh, too much affection for the man, <laughs> especially the way he kind of does that uh, championship belt thing, right. that kind of wrestling maneuver. Yeah. Oh boy, I actually have, um, I have that. I have all of those cut together on a kind of wonderful montage reel, and all the times he did that cut together adds up to exactly twenty-four minutes and twelve seconds. <laughs> and uh, I play that at home. And, uh, on a on a loop or or yeah, just on occasion, I put music to it. Uh-huh. Uh Some Manovani <laughs> and uh, some easy listening. You know, kind of uh-huh. just kind of a jazz saxophone feel. I also like some Vangelis. I play some Vangelis <laughs> to it, and I enjoy. Uh, it's not funny, Rick. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It's just... all right. Um, it uh, it's, but it it's is a good that, that Vangelis does make some inspired music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and now you got me breaking. I tell you, you're the first man to make me break on air since 1973. Is that right? Yeah. 
Uh, I don't remember who it was, but right. uh, those I, was were, low, I was loaded. Those were loaded. those were good times. Oh, it was those a great were good times. Heady so, time. So now, now that you're you're back, obviously you're you're as current as you could possibly be. Uh, with, I'm on a podcast. I, well, I mean, certainly, but I mean, in terms of being up on what's going on in the National Football League, yes, it's just uh, like I said, an honor that you are. Uh, taking your first step back, dipping your toe back into the sports casting waters here on the Rich Eisen podcast by presenting the plays of the month of September for the 2011 NFL season uh, for NFL.com and the NFL Media Group. It's it's really great, Jim. I appreciate you. Oh, I'm very happy to, to be do. here. I, I listen. I, I do. I am very grateful. All kidding aside, I'm very mm-hmm. grateful to you and uh, the people here for giving me another shot, uh, help me come back. And uh, you know, I, I called five World Series, and mm-hmm. um, you know, here I am. I'm a I'm about to uh, describe television highlights to people on their work computers. But you got to start somewhere. Very happy to be here. Very grateful. <laughs> right. And uh, so here we go. Can we jump right let's in? Get, let's just r- jump right in. Let's go with the top plays uh, from the month of September in the NFL. Let's do it. Okay, first off, we have Matt Schaub throwing a pass, and then ba-bing, ba-bong, ba-ding, ding, bing, bing, bing. Kevin Walters is a pinball wizard as he catches the ricochet and goes into the end zone. Hey, does everybody remember that musical Tommy? A blind mute playing arcade games. Uh, Call me crazy, but my favorite decades were the ones where everybody was on drugs. Okay, next up we have Denarius Moore taking the end around right through the Jets' defense for the score. But check out this block. Jim Leonard gets blown up like a Facebook page on somebody's birthday, doesn't he? All right, let's look at another angle here. Samson Satili says, don't ask me about my business, Kay. Oh, incredible effort at the end by Moore. All right, here's Tom Brady against the Bills. His pass bounces off a lineman's head right into the arms of cornerback Drayton Florence, who returns it for six. And the Buffalo fans have not been this excited since they discovered the chicken wing, which, by the way, is the only other exciting thing ever to happen in Buffalo. I speak from experience. All right, now let's roll this tremendous game-winning throw from Colt McCoy against the Dolphins. With just 43 seconds left, Colt tosses it high in the air where it is snatched by Muhammad Masakai, Masakwich, Masakuni. I, I can't pronounce it. Let's get a new nickname. How about the MoMA or a Museum of Modern Art, if not into the whole brevity thing? Let's call this man the Museum of Modern Art. Let's do it. Oh, here's a fun thing. Bears D-lineman Anthony Adams doing a pregame dance. He pulls his shirt up and he shows off his jiggling belly. Hey, is there anything more entertaining than a fat man dancing? I guess maybe a, maybe a naked woman dancing. She can be fat, too, if she wants to. I do not discriminate. That is the one thing my ex-wife and I have in common. We will do anything. Any hoodles? Let's take a look now at Tom Brady again, backed up to his own one-yard line. But is he worried? Not a chance. Like Mo Green, he was making his bones while you and I were still going out with cheerleaders. Up top, 99 yards to Wes Welker. And, oh, look at that little guy run. Is he? Let me ask you something. Is he legally a midget? Do people still use that term anymore? Is there some kind of better term, like we say biracial now or something? Anyway, Wesley Welker, tiny, tiny little man. Oh, now Sebastian Janikowski may look like an extra from the Road Warrior, but he has also got a hell of a left leg, and he shows it off right here as he kicks a record-tying 63-yard field goal. Hard for a field goal highlight to be exciting, but this one almost succeeds. Almost, but uh, not quite. And now here comes Denarius Moore again, making the highlight reel for a second time. Watch as he leaps and grabs his long bomb from Jason Campbell. He snatches it away from the Bills DB like my ex grabbing for an alimony check, huh? These are promising times for Raider Nation, which may just climb out of their third world status. Here's hoping. Send your dollars. Send, show your care. Send it to Raider Nation. Oh, now here's one for the blooper reel. As Andre Johnson scores a touchdown, but in the celebration, his teammate Jacoby Jones hurts his knee. Now, and of course, it is never funny to laugh at somebody else's pain unless it is during an on-field celebration. <laughs> that is just hilarious. What, what, hey, when I retreat to my dark place, the only thing that can pull me out of it is that clip of that kicker Grammatica blowing out his ACL. <laughs> Man, I hate kickers. Man, they are just softer than double-ply toilet paper, aren't they? All right, here's Sam Bradford throwing a Cadillac Williams, who doesn't seem to realize it's a backward pass. That is a live football. And the Giants' Michael Bowley picks it up and returns it for the touchdown. Then watch this. He tries to fire it into a wall, but intern Marsha Brady's face gets in the way. You know, in my day, an intern had to know how to duck. Otherwise, Cosell would nail him right in the kisser with a tumbler full of Canadian whiskey. And how about this little slice of amazing pie? Packers line up for the punt, and Devin Hester is sizing it up, but oh, it was all a ruse. Like something out of the prestige, Johnny Knox actually fields the punt and scores a touchdown. And just like watching that movie, everybody is confused. I mean, uh, did Christian Bale have a twin? What the heck was going on there? 
Why was there a holding penalty on a non-existent player? I don't get it. We will never know unless we remember to look it up online later, which we will not. And we're going to end our highlights with perhaps the biggest highlight of the young season, rookie Cam Newton. Now, a lot of doubters out there said he would struggle this year. I was not one of them. In fact, I called it. I said he would excel. I said he was an entertainer and an icon. I encouraged him to use that line. Everybody laughed at him. They laughed at me. Well, everybody can grab a knife and fork and they can eat it. Because look at Cam, baby. He's what I said he was. He is who I said he was going to be. You can all just take yourselves out on some kind of a date and do stuff to yourselves because you was wrong and I was right. Brockmeyer calls it again. I'm sorry to get hot on the collar, Rich Eisen, but nothing makes me angrier than a bunch of doubters who just niggle at you and say negative things. And ladies and gentlemen, those are the plays for the month of September. Jim, that was great, man. That was great. Thank you very much. and, and And what a great start to the season. Um... I can only hope that you'll come back and do this maybe every month if you're if you're available and so inclined. My I mean, pleasure. I do have a lot of time on my hands, Rich Hazen, so mm-hmm. I'd be happy to come back. And this was, uh, I mean, uh, of all those plays, w- which one leaps out at you? Maybe that uh, 99-yarder Brady to uh, Wes Welker? I mean, that, nope, that was not a that lo- one. No, no, that I don't one. even remember that one anymore. <laughs> you just, I'm you, like a cornerback. I don't, you know what I mean? Oh, a very short memory. Yeah. I do it. And I'm, it's, it's, I'm a blank. It I'm like gone. a goldfish swimming in a bowl. So I'm then, like six-second recall, that's about it. But I tell you, that Welker thing does stand out in my mind because I didn't realize he was going to be on the show today. Is he? Was he here? Was he on remote? Or was no, he, he was here? on Patriots cam. Oh, thank remote. goodness, because I was afraid I was going to run into him in the green room. He was going to start kicking me in the shins with his tiny little legs or something, you know? <laughs> He's, uh, that, that can that can sting, you know. I mean, those little kind of little teeny, little teeny karate kicks or something. Right, shin splints. But he's, you know, he is playing big you know yeah, what I, mean? I guess so you know but he's such a tiny little man isn't he so cute <laughs> that was the longest play in the history of monday night football longest pass play is that right 99 yards i was not aware of that fact but you know what i, I think by the way mm-hmm. i think when sportscasters don't know something they should just admit it mm-hmm. instead of acting like they do you know they come off all know it all and of course i knew that i knew this i knew that uh, no if you don't know just say i have no clue <laughs> i didn't read this stuff before I, I i was busy i was i was you know i was having a few i was i was making love to the wife whatever it is you were honestly doing i right. think they should say right well i'm glad again you just um you know mentioned uh your wife lucy uh, yeah and and i got to tell you the fact My ex-wife ha- your ex-wife um just the fact that you stayed composed jim that you that you just mentioned her and and uh, the word lovemaking in the same sentence mm, and I did, we're able I? to and we're able to in, to get through it. I'm making progress. Aren't I, I I you sure are you sure are and I I believe in you, Jim Brock. Oh, I can feel the healing. It's starting to come. It's happening. I I, I believe as in we you. as we sit here. Can we hug it out? Are you sure. You come on. Oh, here we go. That's, this is great. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. That was tender loving. Ooh. That was good. Wow, I'm getting a little. Uh, no, no, it's not no, okay, oh, emotional. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, this is Jim Brockmeyer, one of the all-time greats, legend in the booth. Thanks for coming on the Rich Eisen Podcast, sir. My pleasure to be here. You bet. Jim Brockmeyer on the Rich Eisen Podcast, presented by Bud Light. The first of what I hope many more appearances, not just here, but uh, the start, the rebirth of a Hall of Fame Good to be back, career. America. You've let other weirdos back in. Why not let me? <laughs> I know, let's not mention them here. We all know who they are. Jim Brockmeyer on the Rich Eisen podcast. That was as expected. That's what I was hoping for. Brockmeyer's back, people. He's back. And again, if you need the um, the backstory, go to funnierdie.com and put in the words Jim Brockmeyer. B-R-O-C-K-M-I-R-E. It's a fascinating tale that perhaps you didn't know. And uh, man... I'm just glad that I'm, I provided a platform and he's going to be back on the straight and narrow. Thanks to Sugar Ray Leonard. That was a quick one. And uh, Michael Lombardi. He's the best. He knows what's going on. Um, and I just want to thank everybody for coming on the podcast here and for downloading it for all of you folks out there listening. That's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast presented by Bud Light. Stay listening to 